Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a special episode um, for you. Pastor Lloyd Schomburg, I know I've talked about him before. He was the previous host of this program when he was pastoring this church district here in Lawrenceburg and Pulaski. And he started the radio program, Stories of Faith and Hope, on the local radio station. And uh, he and Dr. Henderson uh, had a lot of conversations and interviewed a lot of people. And uh, then I took over for Pastor Schomburg when he retired and I moved here to this church district. Well, Pastor Schomburg put together a interview of old clips that he had taken with Dr. Henderson, telling the life story of Dr. Henderson. And so that is what I have for you today. It was aired on the local radio station. It's a tribute put together by Pastor Schomburg, a tribute to Dr. Norman Henderson. Here it is. Hi, I'm Lloyd Schomburg. This is my tribute to Dr. Norman Henderson, who passed away on January 18, 2019. Edited from radio programs we shared in the past, here is his story. Well, I was born in 1930 in Seattle, Washington, the beautiful city of Seattle. I was very blessed to be born in a Christian home where Jesus Christ was the center of our home. And that's been a blessing to me the rest of my life. When I was about six years old, our family doctor, back then general practitioner, took out my tonsils and my younger brother, Gordon, same day. That doctor impressed me, and he took a special interest in Gordon in me. And from that day on, I had decided I was going to be a doctor. It was my goal from that day onward that I wanted to be a doctor. There were some bumps along the way, times that I didn't know if I was going to be able to actually do that. But I figured that the Lord would lead me into what I should be doing. I did make it into medical school in 1952. My dad was a wonderful gentleman and uh, he painted houses and papered houses. And that was his profession. I worked with him every summer when I was not in school. We had to borrow money. I prayed that I would be able to get in uh, my first uh, application to the medical school that I wanted to go to. That was at Loma Linda School of Medicine uh, in California. At that time, it was called the College of Medical Evangelists. I was uh, fortunate to be able to get into medical school on my first application. During my junior year, my father got ill. This was in Washington State. My mother called and said we had to do something. And uh, it was getting close to the end of the school year, and I was getting ready for our final exams and things. So I had my dad come down to where I was there. This was in Los Angeles now. And he had to be hospitalized. This was a stressful time for me. As a junior, we had to cover for the seniors because they were getting ready for their real exams to finish out their senior year. So I was assigned to the obstetric department at the L.A. County Hospital. So I was there for 24 hours at a time, worrying about my father, getting ready for my own exams, and 
I knew what was happening to me. Because of the stress, I ended up with a bleeding ulcer. I finished my exams and immediately went from my exams to the emergency room at the hospital that I was at. And they put me in the hospital, and I was there for almost three weeks. One thing I remember about that hospitalization was they would not let me get out of that bed, even up on the side of the bed, for one whole week. But we made it through that and uh, got on into my senior year. Well, Barbara will say we first met on the beach at Santa Monica playing volleyball. I was one of those that wanted to play the whole side when the volleyball was coming toward her. I went after it and I scratched her nose and she remembers that. I didn't remember who that was at the time. Then later on, I actually had a date to one of her classmates. The classmate had to go to work at the hospital for that particular day. We were going to the mountains. And so when they came to get me, who should be in the car but Barbara? And that's the beginning of our relationship Been wonderful ever since. How many were at your wedding in 1956? I'd say close to 100. Did you have music at your wedding? Yes. One of the other medical students played the violin, and another one played the organ. And my wife insisted on the fact that I had to sing to her when she came down the aisle. So that was part of the music. Made it through my senior year, graduated, took an internship at the White Memorial Hospital in Los Angeles, which was uh, an excellent year for me. And as soon as I graduated from my internship, I had to go in the military. I joined the United States Air Force, which was my preference, and I was assigned, and I think the Lord led in this, but I was assigned to what became the Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. And it was only 100 miles from my wife's parents, and it made a very nice end that we could get back and forth to her parents because we now had one little girl. I really enjoyed my two years in the Air Force. I was the only one out of six doctors that were assigned to that hospital. It was still called Camp Cook when we went there, but renamed Vandenberg Air Force Base while we were there. And six of us, young doctors just out of school and internships, were assigned there to open up the hospital. I was the only one who had any experience in obstetrics, so I became the OB doctor. Getting close to the end of my two years, I had to make a decision what I was going to do. I had already decided I wanted to take OB, uh, OBGYN in a residency program, and I wanted it to be back at the White Memorial Hospital in Los Angeles because I was familiar with everybody there. So I went down and talked to them. Unbeknownst to me, just shortly before I went down to interview, they had changed the head of the department. They had always been taking one resident in OB every six months. The new fella, new doctor, changed it, and he was only going to take two residents once a year. So it meant I would have to wait a whole year. This really made a difference in my plans. And so we prayed about it, and we decided we lived in a little town called Lompoc when we were in the Air Force, and we decided we really liked small-town living. So that was one decision we made. And so we decided, after praying about it, that rather than trying to find something to do for a year before I could get into the residency, to just go ahead and go into general practice. And we started looking at places that had put in their names wanting positions from Loma Linda. 
And we took a trip. We went through Texas and Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee. And when we got back home, we began to eliminate. And it finally came down to Marietta, Georgia or Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Barbara went in one room. I went in another room. We said, let's go separately and pray about this. We've got to make a decision. About 15 minutes later, we both came out. Both said we need to go to Lawrenceburg. That's how I came to Lawrenceburg. I'd never heard of Lawrenceburg before, never been in the South before. So it was quite a culture shock for me. But the Lord said that's what he had planned for me. He didn't want me to take an OBGYN residency. So sometimes the Lord says no to my plans. That's why I came and landed here in Lawrenceburg. This was a hard decision, a difficult decision, because Marietta, Georgia, I would be going in with another physician, have a ready salary. I came to Lawrenceburg, I'd be on my own. I have to start from scratch, no guarantees. It was the best decision we ever made. We feel that we've been very well accepted by the community here. Our practice was wonderful. I love the people, patients. They became friends, not just patients. When I told my parents what our decision was and that we were going to move to Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and he said, oh, my, isn't that a coincidence? He said, I went to Madison and got a teacher's certificate at Madison College in the Nashville area, and for one year I taught in that one teacher school down in Lawrenceburg, and I had no idea that he knew where Lawrenceburg even was. They both were blessed to live to 102. Right. My father was 102 in five months, and mother was 102 in 10 months. I did do a lot of obstetrics, best part of my practice. During the 41 years that I practiced here, I delivered uh, somewhat over 3,000 babies. Some of them come up to me and remind me that I delivered them 30 years ago. The story is about two little boys, one is five and the other is four, who lived in the city of Seattle, Washington. The five-year-old's name was Norman, four-year-old's name was Gordon. They lived in an apartment building on the first floor. One of their favorite things to do was there was an old rocking chair in the dining room. They loved to get in and rock each other in and just have fun just rocking in back and forth in that chair. Mother was in the kitchen. She guessed what was happening in there. So she called out and she said, boys, you be careful now about that rocking because if you rock too hard, you might rock that rocking chair over backwards and it could break into that big window there by the uh, dining room table. To the five-year-old Norman, that was a challenge. He was going to have to see how far he could rock that rocking chair before it would turn over. So he got Gordon in the chair, and uh, he rocked. The fifth time, crash! The rocking chair went over and into the big window that was there. And here was little Gordon, partway outside and partway inside, and all that glass around him. Glass back then didn't break into little pieces like it does now, and so there was a lot of sharp pieces. Well, of course, when that happened, Mother screamed and came running into the room. Fortunately, little brother Gordon did not have any cuts or significant injuries from that accident that had happened, and Mother got him back inside the house. Guess what happened? She grabbed little Norman by the ear. 
took me over to a chair in the corner of the room and said, now you sit there and don't you move out of that chair until your daddy comes home. You just wait until your father gets home. Oh, I hated to hear those words because I knew what that meant. Poor daddy. He always had to be the one to administer the punishment. When father got home, mother told him what had happened and he saw the broken window. So little Norman got some punishment and he had a warm seat for a while. After that, he listened very carefully to what his mother and father told him after that. We have a heavenly father who has given us guidelines in his word. Obedience is very important. In fact, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Our 50th anniversary from graduation from uh, medical school at Loma Linda, I was asked to sing the Lord's Prayer. And here it is for our listeners. What is your hope of heaven? Soon. (laughs) May it be soon. Amen. 
And not only because we will be free of suffering and sickness, but we'll be able to see Jesus face to face. Right. Don't get discouraged and give up because God has promised he will give you the strength to be able to overcome. In other words, have faith, dear friend, in God. What an extraordinary man. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor Schomburg, for editing that tribute to him. Um, just an incredible man, an incredible life, and such an inspiration to so many of us. Um, next week, we're actually having his memorial service here in Lawrenceburg. And um, yeah, yeah, we miss him. I was talking with someone over at the radio station, and uh, he was saying that he was one of the few people who Dr. Henderson had not delivered. It seemed like everybody you talked to here in Lawrenceburg, they say, oh yeah, Dr. Henderson delivered me. Um, he was one of the few that hasn't, but uh, he made an impact on this town. And um, I can only only pray that that I have half the impact that Dr. Henderson did. Well, next week we have the beginning of a two-part series. Um, we have a special guest, Sarah McDougall, and she talks about... Um, kind of her own story as well as stories of others that are really exciting and painful and inspirational. And here is just a quick teaser of next week's episode, my interview with Sarah McDougall. I'm I'm a survivor of, a, of an abusive marriage. I was uh, I was a pastor's wife for 13 years, so I was very heavily involved in ministry mm-hmm. um, as a ministry spouse as an adult, and um, all the time that I was busy, 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 busy helping other people and developing resources and doing media production and, and launching my own company, doing branding strategy. I was also living in a in a highly abusive and unhealthy environment at home. I cannot wait to share with you that incredibly thought-provoking and inspirational conversation with Sarah McDougall as we begin our two-part series with her. But in order to catch that, make sure you're subscribed either on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you will catch that one as well as all the ones upcoming in Season Two. You can find us online at faithandhoperadio.com and on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Uh, Music was provided, as always, by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. Hope you have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you next Friday. God bless and have faith in hope.